Hey everybody, welcome to the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Canyon Bakehouse. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about the delicious, certified, gluten-free breads, bagels, English muffins, and other baked goods that are made right here in Johnstown, Colorado. Canyon Bakehouse's gluten, dairy, nut, and soy-free products make it easy for families to enjoy the taste and texture of fresh bread so everyone can love bread again. Find them at any major grocery store in the freezer or fresh bread aisle, or purchase online and visit canyonglutenfree.com to grab a coupon. On the high screen, Dorian kicked to the corner, Feirano for three, it's good with the foul! And back to throw is the quarterback, and Hayward is sacked by Joey Porter. Page takes it in, scores, J.D. Page. Boy, Stevens lets it go, and there's your touchdown. Michael Gallup. Got it down low, Hornung, dunk! And here come the students. Leading by 10, here's Van Pelt. He's at the five, touchdown Colorado State. We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Canyon Bakehouse. As always, I'm your host, Justin Michael. We've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, going to start the show by just kind of reacting to the latest college football playoff rankings. Those, of course, came out Tuesday night. I don't think there were a ton of surprises, but we're just going to kind of go over those briefly and and debate whether, you know, they're correct or not. In total, there were five G5 teams, five non-Power 5 teams, however you want to phrase it, that are in the top 25 for the playoff rankings. I believe that's the same as last week, and that's the most ever out of all the seasons. So cool to see that the the smaller conference is getting some love. Uh, Boise State, the highest team and only team from the Mountain West in the college football playoff rankings at number 21. But I just think, you know, it's we should still talk about them at least once a week because it's it's just national it's just relevant to the to the national landscape of college football itself. Uh, plus it's just fun to talk about. I think it's cool to debate and it's a it's a fun process throughout it all. I'm one of the few people that actually thinks the college football playoff is completely perfect at four teams, I think. I understand why people want to expand it and I think in theory, I would be exciting. I think there are seasons where there are certainly six, uh, maybe even eight teams that deserve that opportunity to play for the national championship. Um, I think once you start getting over six, eight teams, anything like that, uh, any kind of expanded playoff past that is just, it's unrealistic unless you drastically changed how the regular season works. I think 
you'd have to get rid of conference championship games. There are just there are just a lot of things you would have to impact if you really wanted to make these kids play, you know, more than two or three games in the postseason. I think it just it just becomes too much. I mean, if you have like a sixteen team playoff, you're looking at a four or five week ordeal. And I just don't know how feasible that is. But regardless, you know, we're getting closer to that playoff. It's getting down to the crunch time. We've got about a month left of college football uh, in the regular season, at least, and then have the couple weeks off. And then you got about a month of bowl games that come with it. Uh, Always one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, I think I say that like eight times a year. This is the best time of the year. Uh, That's just the classic sports fan um, you know, whatever moment it, it we're currently in, that's the best moment. But bowl season truly is a ton of fun, and I'm I'm looking forward to talking about it. I'm excited that CSU is in the picture. I know, you know, this is the the playoff ranking isn't necessarily uh, relevant to CSU at least right now with where the program is at. But it's a it's a fun time to be a college football fan. So with that, let's jump right into it. Uh, oh. Also, we are going to talk about uh, CSU basketball later. They play tonight against the University of Nebraska-Omaha. That'll be fun. We'll have coverage from Moby Arena with that. And then we're also going to talk briefly about signing day, uh, signing day for all the sports besides football, or one of the early signing days. The, The whole process now is so unnecessarily complicated. There's like just so many different days, and the whole the whole process is just so silly. I don't understand why they make it so confusing for everyone, but uh, a couple of really nice signings for CSU men's basketball, a couple of nice signings for CSU women's hoops as well, Uh, golf, volleyball, a couple of other programs also signed some people today. You know, honestly, I don't know quite as much about the recruits when it comes to those other sports, so I don't want to just speak, you know, out of my butt here. I don't want to talk out of it and just make stuff up. I'm not sure what kind of recruits they the other team signed, but just given the the fact that CSU men's golf and CSU volleyball have been very successful, two of the most successful programs on campus, in fact, over the last couple of years, I got to imagine that their recruiting classes were were just fine. Uh, New Isaac Newton, uh, Christian Newton, Isaac Newton. Oh my goodness, Christian Newton, the head coach of CSU men's golf, has done a really nice job over the last couple of years, just really transforming that program. Uh, Tom Hilbert, obviously one of the staples of the community for well, like three decades now. Pretty crazy the consistent success that CSU uh, volleyball continues to have. So we will talk about signing day uh, later. But first, you know, as I said, we're going to jump right into things with these college football playoff rankings. Starting at number one, of course, we have the LSU Tigers. All right, when it comes to LSU, you guys know that I am an Alabama fan. So, um, you know, when I talk about LSU and Auburn and some of these other programs, you got to understand that, you know, I am emotionally attached to Alabama. That said, I feel like I can feel like I can put that aside and give everybody a little fair assessment when it comes to all these different teams. You know, I have no problem admitting LSU has they're the best college football team that I have seen in a long, long time. They are so complete. They have just incredible team speed all over the the athletes that they have on both sides of the football. It's, it's truly something else. I mean, they really came out and they punched Alabama in the mouth, particularly in that first half uh, last weekend. It was 
really just a phenomenal football game. Everything you would hope for uh, in a showdown between a pair of top five teams. But this LSU team, week by week, they just continue to impress me more. Uh, they have four top ten victories already this season. They beat Texas, who's number nine. They beat them earlier in the year. Uh, already have wins over number seven, Florida, number nine, Auburn. Uh, so just everyone that they've played, they have taken care of business. Uh, at this point, I'd say Joe Burrow is the Heisman winner. I mean, we, a lot of things can change over this last month. If LSU, for some odd reason, stumbles and loses a couple of games or he uncharacteristically has a couple of bad performances that could change. But if LSU wins out, I think it's pretty much his award to lose at this point. I mean, he's just been so impressive. It's The rise of Joe Burrow really has been incredible. I mean, he's a guy going into the season. I think there was some hype for him, but I think, you know, at times last year he was viewed more as like a mid-round guy, a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick, something like that. And he just kind of kept playing his way up and up and up. And then, like, by the end of bowl season last year, people were like, I don't know, maybe this guy's, you know, maybe he's a little bit better. Maybe he's a late first round or something like that. And at this point now, it looks like he might end up being the number one pick, which would obviously be crazy because if that were the case, that would be the third straight year that a transfer quarterback ended up going number one overall. Uh, But I think that's just the landscape of college football today. It's constantly evolving and this LSU team, man, there's something else. They're a lot of fun to watch. Uh, they're going to close out the season with Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Texas A&M. I, I don't see them losing any of those games, so at this point, I think they're going to roll right into that SEC championship game, uh, but they're you know, undoubtedly the number one team in the country. I know there are some people that you, know, you could point to Ohio State 2 or Clemson 3, uh, but I think just with the slate that LSU has had to go through it, it makes a ton of sense that the committee, the committee, that the committee put them at number one. All right, oh, moving on with Ohio State at number two. Uh, by the way, we're not going to go over all twenty-five teams. Um, just kind of going in depth here with over the first, you know, five, six, seven teams, something like that. Uh, it, 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 we don't have time to go over all of them, and so, frankly, I don't think you guys would want to sit here and listen through all that. But Ohio State number two. Uh, they're a team who they're they're great. They don't. There's nothing that they don't do well. Uh, they hit a crazy onside kick against Maryland last weekend. That was, you know, honestly more impressive than anything I've seen since, well, since Alabama did it against Clemson a couple of years back. But just like LSU, they're a, a team when you watch them, it's incredible the the speed that they have all over the field. Uh, Chase Young, defensive end, probably the best overall player and. All of college football, um, I, I think the Big Ten, to an extent, is a little overrated, but I'd say top to bottom, it's probably the most complete uh, Power Five conference this year. It's just very strong. Uh, there's, I mean, even when you look at like the bottom of the league, some of these teams like Illinois, um, you know, they're they're still very good and they're going to challenge you. Maryland and Rutgers are absolutely terrible. And that's the thing about the Big Ten is like, yes, you you have to play some of these schools like Michigan State, uh, you know, Ohio State, Penn State, Minnesota, uh, but Rutgers, you also get Rutgers in Maryland. And I know that's the case in, in any conference. There's no conference that is completely stout all the way through, even the SEC, uh, Big 12. You, you know what I'm talking about? All the other conferences have their high points and their low points. Um but it'll be interesting with Ohio State. It'll be, I think, 
these next couple of weeks will really test them. They got Rutgers on the road, which they'll, you know, throw 70 on the board. And then after that, they got Penn State at home, and then they travel to face Michigan. Uh, Michigan has not had the season that they were hoping for, but they're still talented enough, and you know, you know they're going to get up for that game at home. They could ultimately, you know, ruffle some feathers, make things interesting. Don't sleep on Penn State either. I know they went on the road and lost to Minnesota, which was something that we talked about, something we projected. Uh, but that Penn State team is very talented too, so they're still in it as well. Uh, the interesting team in this top five to me is Clemson at number three. They just, it feels like Clemson has yet to hit their stride this season. They have, you know, they haven't lost and over the last couple of weeks, you've seen the offense come together, throw 50 on the board in three straight weeks, throw 45 on the board in the two weeks before that. So five straight weeks of at least 45 points. But they just haven't played anyone yet. I don't know. Trevor Lawrence hasn't been the same dude that he was. Like It feels like maybe we all uh, praised and named him the next football Jesus a little bit too soon. I'm not taking anything away from the kid. He can obviously still play. Uh, just saying that he's not been the same guy. And I don't know. I mean, I think Clemson's going to, they're going to run the table. They've only got Wake Forest and South Carolina left. Don't see them losing either one of those games. Uh, but I am, I am interested to see how they handle the playoff. They're, they're always going to be well coached. I mean, Dabo Swinney's one of the best in the country but, you know, will they be ready come playoff time and they have to actually have to, you know, face some other teams? Because of all the power leagues, you know, I'd say the ACC probably the weakest, at least this year. Um, in years past, probably been the Pac-12, but this year you got a couple of top 10 teams in Oregon and Utah. So how does Clemson respond? We shall see. I believe in Dabo Sweeney. I believe in what they have going in that program. And I think to an extent, winning culture is just something that matters. A lot of these guys, have, you know, they're just used to winning, and I think that does matter. Uh, but then again, I just think there is an argument for having to go through the gauntlet. A team like LSU, who has just consistently faced quality opponent week after week, I think that's going to benefit them down the line. Even Georgia, uh, when you look at them as a whole, their schedule not quite as strong as LSU. Uh, but they still have a win over top 10 Notre Dame. Um, they have a win over Florida in a neutral field. I know that's a conference game. They got Auburn this week. It's going to be huge for them. I could really see Auburn upsetting Georgia. Um, we'll see. Georgia's defense is really solid, so we'll see. I, I believe Georgia is the only team in the country that still is not allowed a rushing touchdown this year, but it's just kind of interesting that the – the love that the SEC has gotten. They obviously value the schedules that Georgia and Alabama have played, putting Georgia at four, Alabama at five. Interesting that they kept Oregon and Utah out, Oregon in particular. Oregon, you know, they lost to Auburn in week one in a game which they probably should have won. They really dominated for the vast majority of that contest since then. I mean, they've really just beat down everyone that they've played, and they've done it really dominantly. Uh, their defense is one of the best in the country. I don't know. It, it just seems a little weird that Oregon has kind of been getting punished all year. They struggle to to move up the rankings with this committee for some reason. I know the I know the Pac-12 isn't great. A lot of these wins 
or uh, are, are over bad teams. They beat, you know, Nevada, Montana, Stanford, California, Colorado, uh, even Washington State. Some of these teams, none of those wins are super impressive. Their best win at this point is probably at Washington. Uh, USC was a, a good win. They beat them by 30, but, you know, USC isn't the USC of old either. So I get it to an extent, like their schedule, not super sexy, but they have won eight games in a row. They're doing it very, very dominantly, scoring 38 points a game, only allowing 15. I just think stuff like that should matter. I do think eventually if they keep winning, they will have a chance to sneak their way in. But it's going to be really interesting if you have like an 11 and a 1 Pac 12 champion Oregon versus an 11 and a 1 non champion Alabama. Uh, would would one of which one of those teams could sneak in uh, Georgia? You know, if they if they win the, the league, they'll be in as well, obviously. So it's it's going to be really fun uh, down the stretch. Minnesota, they're kind of in the same boat as Oregon. Like they're nine and zero right now, but it feels like the committee just doesn't value the teams that they played. The fact that they were able to jump, I think, eight spots. I think they were 16 last week. After beating Penn State, it shows that, you know, that last that last game meant a lot to them. But these final three weeks are going to be huge for some of these teams like Oregon, Utah, Minnesota, uh, Penn State, even Oklahoma, a few of these teams that kind of are just on the outside looking in, still in it, still have a chance to make the playoff, but going to need some help for that to happen. It's time to take a second to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR Rams. From the classic Avalanche American Amber Ale to Colorado Core, Strawberry Sky, they just have so many different dope choices. Grab a six-pack, grab a 12-pack, grab a case or two. Breckenridge Brewery, the next time you're having friends over, you won't regret it. They're going to love it. Uh, I'm not even a big beer guy, and I, I just honestly, I really love the the variety that they have to offer. Uh, just so many unique choices, and, you know, it's always good to support local businesses, so support Breckenridge Brewery. They support us. Shout out to those guys. Alrighty, let's talk a little hoops. As I said, National Signing Day for, well, basically all the sports except for football. Um, this whole process is so silly. Isaiah Rivera and Jacob Jenison, the two signees for Nico Medved and Colorado State men's basketball. Uh, if you go over to the CSU Men's Hoops Twitter page, they have little uh, videos with uh, sequences from their high school career. Rivera, 6'5", 190-pound combo guard out of uh, Geneseo, Illinois. He is currently a ESPN Top 100 small forward, ranked number 44 uh, as a three-star athlete, made the Associated Press second team last year for the area, uh, also a 2019 News Gazette All-State mention. Uh, as a junior, averaged 28 points, 8.6 rebounds, 3.5 assists per game. Uh, that, w- that ranked fourth in the state at Illinois in terms of scoring. Also had 62 steals, 19 block shots, uh, set records for single points in a game in his high school, had 51 points in a game in that game, uh, went 21 of 23 at the free throw line. So clutch at the charity stripe, I always like to see that. Uh, also set records for single season points with 797 uh, career points. 
So this guy, I mean, he does it all for his team. Big time, big time signing for Nico Medved and Co. He, this is a guy who had a lot of interest from a lot, a lot of decent programs. I mean, DePaul from the Big East was interested in him. Drake, Loyola, Chicago, New Mexico, uh, Northern Iowa, St. John's. A lot of really, really consistent, uh, solid quality basketball programs were looking at this kid, Medved, and and some of these guys are able to use their Midwest roots and pull him. It's kind of interesting. CSU's kind of becoming that uh, that Midwest hub for mid-major players. I like it. We're getting a lot of Minnesota kids in here, Illinois. Um, it makes sense. I mean, with the coaches that they have, they they all have those Midwest roots. Uh, so it makes sense. Isaiah Rivera, big-time signing. Going to have Eddie Hurst on here at some point this week, hopefully, uh, to talk about it. He's really been in on this kid for a while and is really high on him. So I will be curious to hear what Eddie has to say. So along with Rivera, the Rams able to add a big man, Jacob Jennison, six foot 205-pound center uh, out of South Center, Minnesota. Uh, currently a top 10 center in the state of Minnesota, according to prephoops.com, named the 2019-2020 Class AA preseason first team All-State, averaged 15 points, 10 rebounds per game on 60% shooting from the floor last year, also hit 70% of his free, throw la- free throws, uh, so another kid who's consistent at the free throw line, uh, chose CSU over offers from Drake. Minnesota Duluth, Northern Iowa. So like I said, you know, really just kind of going in the Midwest, stealing some of these uh, Midwest players that would else go uh, to the Midwest schools elsewhere. Oh my goodness, that was an absolute disaster of of a statement. They would go to these Midwest schools otherwise, but the roots from these assistants allowing the Rams to pull them out here. Uh, He played AAU with David Roddy at one point. So this is going to be a nice little addition. When I watch this Jenison kid, what really stands out to me has really nice footwork. I think when you sign a six foot 11 kid, a lot of the times they're athletic or they just have size. I mean, obviously they can get to the rim. If you're six foot 11 in high school, you're pretty much good to go for 20. Uh, And that's just statewide. I mean, if you have that kind of size or nationwide, I should say, uh, if you have that kind of size, you're going to be able to get to the rim at any point. But what impresses me about his footwork uh, has great touch around the rim as well. Uh, these are those are crucial things, man. A lot of times, those are what you know big guys take two, three years to develop. He already has those skills. Definitely needs to put on some weight. Uh, only 205 pounds at six foot eleven, I imagine. Uh, JP Jason Phillips, the strength and a conditioning coach, will get him in the weight room, have him eaten a couple different sandwiches a day. Uh, JP joked with me back in the day about when they were trying to get Nico Carvacho to gain weight, and they'd be basically force-feeding him chicken sandwiches from Chick-fil-A, and Carvacho would be complaining because he was full, and they'd basically be like, well, you got to get the calories, so chug them down. So, you know, they're going to get this kid in the weight program. They'll, they'll get him nice and bulked up, and he'll be good to go. Uh, a couple of nice pickups for Nico Medved and the staff. Uh, it's been it's been encouraging to see. Just the fact that they recruit at all is encouraging. One, but it's fun to to see them building this program uh, from the ashes. And 
you know, like I've said throughout, I think they are already capable of making more noise this year than a lot of the the media around the league gave them credit for in preseason. I also think they have potential to just really be a solid team, a contender in the league for the next couple of years with the base of this roster that they've recruited. You're, you're going to have to replace, you know, Nico Carvacho, Chris Martin, and some of these guys after the season hiring Edwards, but that you just have such a really impressive young base and that's always good. I mean, that's how you create stability. It's by signing guys like this that can play two, three years, uh, sometimes even four years, depending on what happens with Kendall Moore and Adam Thistlewood, uh, Roddy, some of these guys, people that end up playing as true freshmen. But the uh, the tide is turning in Fort Collins. It's certainly an exciting time to be a CSU Hoops fan, and as the season progresses here, it's it's only going to get better. So like I said, we will have coverage from tonight's game against Nebraska-Omaha. Uh, they also have a game this weekend, so all kinds of stuff to talk about. Tons of hoops, tons of football. We're going to be talking CSU Air Force over the next couple of days. Uh, preview the weekend slate for Mountain West football. We'll give you some bets, all the stuff we normally do. I appreciate everyone that subscribes. Uh, you guys are what make this all possible. I love you guys. Shout out to all each and every one of you. I genuinely do appreciate it. It's not just, you know, me trying to pander. I, I really do. Uh, it just it makes me feel good. The fact that you guys would pay your hard-earned money to subscribe for my work, it it's amazing. It, it really is. So I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. I hope everyone is having a great week. Stick with us through it all. We'll be talking CSU hoops, CSU football all week, baby. Scummy like Martin Scarelli, turn jam into jelly, then drink it like juice. But water's the truth, so I sip on that too. Skinny looking kid with no car keys, like the only thing I drive is RCRV. He's got the stash like Steve Harvey. Oh, I'm gnarly like not.